so today, inshallah, we start a new subject in the uh, Lamiya poetry ascribed to Shaykh al-Islam ibn Tibrahimullah. And this follows our discussion of the Sahaba, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum. And so the next major issue of belief that is raised by Shaykh al-Islam in what is ascribed to him is the topic of the Qur'an. The topic of the Qur'an. So it says, it is said in the poetry, وَأَقُولُ فِي الْقُرْآنِ مَا جَاءَتْ بِهِ وَأَقُولُ فِي الْقُرْآنِ مَا جَاءَتْ بِهِ آيَاتُهُ فَهُوَ الْكَرِيمُ الْمُنْزَلُ And in some of the sheets, in some of the versions of the poetry, there's a slight variation. وَأُكِرُّ بِالْقُرْآنِ وَأُكِرُّ بِالْقُرْآنِ مَا جَاءَتْ بِهِ آيَاتُهُ the meaning of which is that I say regarding the Qur'an or that I affirm regarding the Qur'an that which its verses have come with. Meaning that my speech about the Qur'an, my belief about the Qur'an is itself based upon that which the verses of the Qur'an have come with and I've explained. For it is a noble revelation it is a noble revelation so inshallah we want to uh, remain with this line and the line which comes after it and likewise i say that allah the mighty and majestic said lofty be his majesty said i say what what allah said and what al mustafa al hadi who is the messenger Muhammad, the chosen one, the guide, what he says, وَلَا أَتَأَوَّلُ And I do not make any interpretations, any ta'wil, any figurative explanations. So these two lines, inshallah, we will remain with them for maybe a couple of lessons. And this topic of the Qur'an is one of the major symbols of a Muslim's belief. As you know, there are certain uh, major symbols of our belief. Things like the belief that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above his creation. This is also from the fitrah. A person, from his fitrah, he knows and recognizes that when he seeks his Lord, he seeks his Lord above. This is not unique even to a Muslim. You find even the Jew and the Christian, other than them, that they find in their fitrah, which has not been corrupted, that still they, they, they seek Allah Above. So the belief that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above his creation, above his throne, is from the major, major symbols of a Muslim's belief. And likewise, the belief that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described with attributes, the lofty, perfect attributes, beautiful names, this is also from the major symbols 
of our belief. And likewise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will be seen in the hereafter. That the believers will see their Lord in the hereafter. This is also from the major symbols of our belief. And likewise added to all of these is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He speaks. That He is one who speaks, that He has the attribute of kalam, that He has speech. And that he speaks as and when he wills, as and when he chooses, as and when he wishes, with whatever he wishes. Okay, so this is from, this is another one of the major, major symbols of a Muslim's belief, the Qur'an. The Qur'an being this. And obviously the Qur'an is from the speech of Allah. So once we've established that Allah speaks, and he speaks as and when he wills, then a consequence of this belief or this has, a, this has an implication on our belief regarding the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore we believe if Allah is one who speaks, Allah is one who was kalam, then Allah spoke His revelations. Allah spoke the Torah. Allah spoke the Qur'an. And these two books are the foundational books of all of the other books. These two are the foundational books. And so likewise Allah spoke the Injil, and so this now has an implication on our belief regarding the actual books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from that, and from the greatest of them, is the Qur'an, the last and final revelation. And so regarding this, what we'll do inshallah is we'll begin with the, the commentary of Sheikh Salih al-Suhaymi, who gives a nice summarized uh, uh, belief of what a Muslim should hold regarding the Qur'an. This is essentially a summary of what are the points should a Muslim believe regarding the Qur'an so that he is in the correct middle way. That he is believing in the Qur'an in the right way as opposed to the very many devious, deviated groups from the Jahmiya, from the Mu'tazila, from the Kullabiya, from the Ash'aris, from the Karramiya, from the Maturidis, all these different groups who are from the groups of Ahlul Kalam, they all have their own particular understanding or idea regarding the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of which is based upon falsehood. All of which is based upon false, foreign, alien principles and ways of speaking that they took from the non-Muslims, from the Greek philosophers and other than them. So, uh, the Sheikh says, Regarding this first line of poetry, وَأَقُولُ فِي الْقُرْآنِ مَا جَاءَتْ بِهِ آيَاتُهُ فَهُوَ الْكَرِيمُ الْمُنْزَلُ That I say, so Ibn Taymiyyah is saying that I say, regarding the Qur'an. So remember, he is presenting this belief to the questioner, the questioner who asked him about his madhab and about his aqidah. So he explained the issue about the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, and now he's saying that I say regarding the Qur'an that which its verses have come with. For indeed it is the noble revelation. So he says that meaning, that he, meaning Ibn Taymiyyah, that he stops regarding the belief in the, of, of the Qur'an, that he stops exactly as it is in the Qur'an. That, so his belief itself regarding the Qur'an is itself as it has come in the Qur'an, and as it has come in the Sunnah. And what is that belief? That, that belief is 
that the Quran is the kalam of Allah. The Quran is the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the truth. And that this kalam, this, this, this speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in fact, He spoke it. That Allah spoke it. Allah spoke this Quran. This is the Quran about which Allah says, لَا يَأْتِيهِ الْبَاطِلُ مِنْ بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ وَلَا مِنْ خَلْفِهِ تَنْزِيلٌ مِنْ حَكِيمٍ حَمِيدٌ That falsehood does not approach it, neither from in front nor from behind. It is a revelation from the all-wise, the all-praiseworthy. So, this is what the Qur'an has come with. The Qur'an has explained that this, what we are reading, what we are reciting, that this is the kalam of Allah, it is the speech of Allah, and that Allah spoke it in truth. When we look at all of the ayat in the Qur'an, we look at all of the sunnah, we see that it is so glaringly clear and obvious that this is what Allah spoke. Allah spoke this speech that we are attached to every day of our, of our, of our lives. And that this kalam that has come to us in the form of this book that we have with us, this book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the trustworthy spirit, which is Jibreel alayhi salam, that he descended with this book. He descended with this book. And he descended with it, and he brought it upon the heart of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he brought it in a clear Arabic tongue. It is in a clear Manifest, manifest Arabic tongue, right? So this is the essential core belief in, you know, summarized. That the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah. It is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah actually spoke that kalam. And that kalam was brought down, as we have it, by way of Jibreel alayhi salam, who brought it down upon the heart of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And it was brought down in a clear Arabic tongue. And after this, uh, after this, so this is the essential core belief in a, in, a, in a nutshell. And what the Sheikh now explains is that we will mention certain points that will expose those people who have distorted the speech of Allah, meaning those people who've brought a belief that is incorrect. They've started speaking about this kalam of Allah and started explaining it with other things. That this kalam of Allah is something created. That what we have when we read these words, these are, these are words which are created. Or they say that these words that we have, they're not the actual words of Allah. These words are something that was brought by Jibreel of his own accord. Or by Muhammad of his own accord. Or that Allah created but as for what is with Allah, it is only just a meaning. It's only a meaning. Allah doesn't speak. Allah doesn't have speech. Right? So there are people who began to distort the position on the Qur'an away from what we've mentioned. That it is the kalam, kalam of Allah, actual speech of Allah. Allah spoke it. Jibreel heard it, alayhi salam. Then he brought it upon the heart of Muhammad, sallallahu Muhammad sallam, memorized it. Then he taught it to the Sahaba. And in this way, it has come to us. So we have a chain of narration. We have an isnad. It begins with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to Jibreel, to Muhammad to the Sahaba, and then to us. And some people who change this, and they say no. 
The starting point is not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The starting point is Jibreel, or it is Muhammad or it is the Lawhul Mahfuz. Right? So these people, as we said, from the Ash'aris, the Maturidis, and other than them, then the following points that the Shaykh mentions, through these points, we separate the, tr- the truth from the falsehood. So the first issue is, the first point that we believe is, that when we say the kalam of Allah, when we say the speech of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we mean both in terms of the words, and likewise the meanings. The words and the meanings are from Allah. That Both of them together, they make up the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the definition of kalam in, in, in Arabic. The definition of kalam as understood by the Arabs is nutqun mufhimun. Nutqun mufhimun. Which means an expression, speech, an expression, an articulation which affords a meaning. Which provides a beneficial meaning. Or we have other definitions. Al-lafzul murakkab, al-mufido. You know, a word, or words which are which are uh, composed, as in they consist of more than one uh, word, and they provide a meaning. They provide. It is mufid. It is beneficial in its meaning. It puts across a meaning, a ma'na, to the one who is listening. So from this, we see clearly. That the definition of kalam, nutqun, lafzun, which means an expression. It's an actual expression. So it's something that's, that is heard. And it's something that conveys a meaning. So these two things are part and parcel of the definition of kalam as known to the Arabs. And in fact, as known to almost every, every other language. In every language, this is the definition of kalam. This is the definition of, 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 of speech. That it is an articulation, an expression which affords a meaning, which provides a meaning. So, when we speak about the kalam of Allah, then clearly we are speaking of the kalam that all the Arabs knew and understood, to mean an expression which provides a meaning. And this is a refutation. Why is this? Why are we making this point of, you know, what do we mean when we say kalam? The reason is that some of these people, the people of deviation, when they came along, because remember these people, they're operating upon the principle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have any attributes. Right? Allah does not have any attributes. Allah does not speak. Allah does not hear. Allah does not have any mercy or wisdom. So they're operating upon this premise that Allah has no attributes. What does this mean now? This means if Allah has no attributes, clearly He does not have any speech. Isn't that right? If Allah has no attributes like the Jahmiyyah and the Mu'tazila say, that means He cannot speak. Just like He has no other attributes like hearing and seeing and a, wi- and, and a wish and knowledge and so on and so forth. So Kalam, the attribute of speech, is one of those things which are affected. So now this has an implication. If Allah does not speak, if Allah does not speak, then what is this thing we have with us, this Mus'haf that we are reading, what, what is this thing then? What is this thing? These people have to explain what is it that we have with us that we are reading, reciting, memorizing, if Allah does not have any speech. Right? So now, this is what forces them, therefore, to start playing about with the language of the Arabs. 
to start inventing definitions, to start changing the definition that is known to the Arabs. So now, instead of kalam being like what we explained and defined, that kalam, the definition of kalam is nutqun mufhimun, meaning an expression that provides a meaning. It affords a meaning. This is the definition of kalam in all of the classical dictionaries. This is how it is understood to the Arabs. So now they want to change that uh, definition to suit their belief. Their belief is the Quran is not something that Allah spoke because Allah does not speak. Rather the Quran is something created. It originated with Jibreel or it originated in its wording with Muhammad or it originated, Allah created it in the Lawhul Mahfuz. Uh, these are all different explanations by which they're trying to avoid ascribing kalam to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore they come up with this explanation that, that the definition of kalam is only the meaning you have in your soul. Right? Just the meaning in your soul. As for the expression, the actual expression, this is not part of the definition of kalam. Okay? Right? So this now, what, so now from this point, when they've, when they've played with the definition and they've doctored the definition of kalam as it is known to the Arabs, this now allows them to say that basically the kalam that is with Allah, which is uncreated, is just a meaning that is a meaning with the self of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is just a meaning that is present with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as for the Quran that we have with us, which consists of words, and which is something that is heard, recited and heard, then this is something that is, that is actually created. It is not the kalam of Allah. It's not, it's not the actual kalam of Allah that is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in this way, what they are doing is, they are essentially uh, denying that this Quran that we have with us is the kalam of Allah in wording and in meaning. In wording and in meaning. Lafdan wa ma'nan. In wording and in meaning. So when we say that we believe in the kalam of Allah, then we mean that the wording is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and likewise the meaning is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not the case that there is a meaning present with Allah. And then Jibreel came along, alayhi salam, and then he is the one who expressed in words the meaning that is with Allah. What does this mean now? This means now that the origin point of the Quran as we have it is with Jibreel, not, with, not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something rejected by the Quran, the evidence in the Quran. Likewise, if they were to say that the origin of the Quran as we have it in its, in its wording came from Muhammad wasalam, in the sense that Allah inspired Muhammad through Jibreel to speak the Qur'an even though the meaning is present with Allah. This means that the Qur'an that we have with us originated with Muhammad and not with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the same, and they have other ways as well. They say it was something Allah created in the lawhul mahfuz. Allah had a meaning. Allah has a meaning with His self. And then, he caused that meaning to be expressed in the Qur'an by, create, uh, by creating it in the Lawhul Mahfuz. And then from that did Jibreel take it? In, uh, in the sense that it's words that we hear and recite and that we read. So all of this is false. And we see in the Qur'an, in Surah At-Tawbah, in the ninth Surah in the Qur'an, verse number 6, there is a proof in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ In this ayah Allah says that if one of the mushrikeen, if one of the pagans, if they come to you and they seek protection from you, right, in, in the scenario of a war situation or whatever, and they come to you and they say, right, we want, you, we want protection, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands, then grant him protection so that he can hear the kalam of Allah, so that he can hear the speech of Allah. Here, Allah ascribed this Qur'an as being his kalam. Hatta yasma'a kalam, up until he can hear the kalam of Allah. Now clearly, if someone is reciting the Qur'an, the intent here that a person, the mushrik comes, he's given protection by the Muslims, and when he hears the Muslims reciting the Qur'an, he hears the messenger reciting the Qur'an, he hears the sahaba reciting the Qur'an being, being recited, then who? He's hearing what? He's hearing the kalam of Allah. The kalam is he's hearing words, and he's hearing meanings. And Allah ascribed it to himself. Hatta yasma'a kalam Allah. He didn't say that he hears the speech of the messenger, or the speech of the sahaba. He says, hatta yasma'a kalam Allah. So whose speech is he hearing? It is the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is hearing. So this is the first point. When we say that the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah, we mean in both wording and in meaning. In both wording and in meaning. Right? And this demolishes one of the foundations of the people of deviation who claim that the kalam of Allah is just meaning only. The meaning is eternal, uncreated. And as for the words that we have, what we recite, what we memorize, okay, that this is something that's created. Right? This is batil, this is false. The belief of the in the Quran, in the Sunnah and of the Sahaba is that the Quran is the kalam of Allah, lafdan wa ma'nan, both in uh, in wording and in meaning. The second point that we believe in is that Jibreel alayhi salam, we believe firmly that Jibreel alayhi salam, that he actually heard the Quran from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. That he heard the Qur'an mubasharatan, directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that the kalam of Allah is something that can be heard, that it is heard, that it is masmur. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he speaks with a voice and he speaks with letters, which are both heard. And this is what the evidence of the Qur'an and the Sunnah points to. Obviously here the Shaykh is just summarizing the belief. Here he's not outlining the detailed evidences and the proofs. What our aim here in this lesson is just to quickly summarize in seven or eight points, eight, nine points, what should a Muslim believe so that he's believing the belief of the Sahaba regarding the Qur'an. But the proofs for this are very many. The fact that the Qur'an, the Qur'an is composed of letters. Allah says, Alif Lam Mim. Who is the one who said Alif Lam Mim first? Who is the one who, who said Alif Lam Mim? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alif Lam Mim is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jibreel heard it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the kalam of Allah, therefore, it is, it has, it, Allah speaks with a voice. Although we don't know how that voice is, it is unlike our voices. There is no resemblance between Allah and His creation. And Allah spoke with letters because the Quran is made up of letters. Alif, Lam, Mim, Ha, Mim. 
And every single ayah in the Quran, made up of words, which are made up of letters, Allah spoke that. And Jibreel, alayhi salam, he heard that. He actually heard that. Now, the third point is that we believe, so, so we said, the second point is that Jibreel heard the kalam of Allah directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking it. The third point is, is that we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he spoke with letter and voice. Biharfin wasawtin. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he spoke with a letter and voice. And this is different to the one who claims that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not speak with letter or voice. Rather, kalam with Allah is just a meaning that he has with himself. The way they explain this, these people, they say, that the people of innovation, they say, it's like, for example, before you speak, you already had the meaning in your heart or in your mind. Right? So for example, now when I'm speaking, in my mind there are, there are, there are meanings that are, that are arising, and before I even speak a word, that meaning is, is going through my mind or through my heart, and then I'm expressing that actual speech. Right? So what they are saying, these people, what they are claiming from the Ash'aris and Maturidis is what they are saying is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not actually have kalam which he speaks. Rather it is just meanings which are present with him or a meaning which is present with him, with his, with his, with his that, with his essence. Okay. And as for the actual expression, the heard expression which one hears with the, with the ears, that this is something that Allah inspired to Jibreel or to Muhammad and he inspired them to start speaking with speech. Right? Which is a representation of the meaning which is with Allah. You understand? Right? So in other words, what they're trying to say that this speech is not the speech of Allah. Rather what is with, with Allah is just the meaning. And as for the expression, it's something that originates with Jibreel or with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But our belief is that we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He speaks with a letter and voice. That His kalam consists of letters. And His, and his kalam is something that has a voice which can be heard. And obviously when we say this, when we say this, then our belief is in accordance with the ayah in the Qur'an, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ That there is nothing which is a likeness to Allah. And He is all hearing and all seeing. So when we affirm a voice for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it does not mean that Allah's voice is like our voice. When we speak, our voice is in a certain way because of the way that we have been created. Because of the way our bodies have been created. Our voice emanates in a certain way. At the same time, there are other things besides humans which can speak. Birds can speak. Even... There are things which Allah has created which will also speak. Hellfire will speak. Hellfire will speak. Hellfire will say, Qat. Enough, enough. Even on Yawmul Qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make the skin to speak and will make the limbs to speak. Do the limbs and skin, do they have a tongue? Do they have lips? Do they have a vocal cord? Of course not. But Allah can make them speak. Allah can make them speak. And there are other things, even now you can, you know, a window can speak. A window can speak. They can make things now, 
where due to the vibration they can make things like they can make them speak. They have the technology to do this. So the point that we are making is that these foolish people who oppose the belief in the Qur'an and the Sunnah and what the Salaf were upon regarding the Qur'an, in their foolish opinion they believe and think that when we say Allah has a voice, in their sick minds they automatically think a voice. What they think is a tongue and lips and a throat and a vocal cord. And they therefore make an analogy. Ah, if Allah has a voice, it must be like our voice. Okay, so the sickness comes in the mind and the heart first. Then they say this is impossible. This now means that we are resembling Allah with the creation. How can Allah have a vocal cord? How can Allah have lips and a tongue? Astaghfirullah, this is tashbih, this is shirk and kufr. Right? So the sickness comes from the heart and then the person rejects that sickness and thinks that he is purifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of defects. And this is from the jahl and the foolishness of these people because they have not understood this ayah in the Quran, Laysa kamithlihi shay, wa huwa al basir. And also the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He's created many things which can speak. And they don't have organs, they don't have lips, they don't have a tongue. And we give you the examples of the skin and hellfire speaking. And inanimate things speaking in the life of this world, right? So we can conceive of things in Allah's creation that speak without having the need for a tongue and lips and a throat and so on and so forth, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we do not know His essence. We do not know His reality. But He has told us that He speaks. So Allah speaks with a voice it is heard and Allah knows best what the reality of that is. Now, uh, so this is the third point. And the, I would like to stop here and just explain something which is, which is important, which is, uh, let's, the best way to explain this is if I, let's say I, I, I make some kalam now, because obviously this issue of the voice becomes confusing to some people. So let's say I'm going to read uh, a sentence. Let me just make up a sentence. Um... Okay, I'm going to read a sentence. And let's imagine that no one has made this sentence before. So I'm going to read Cash from Family and Friends. Cash from Family and Friends. Right? So this, this, is, this is my kalam. This is my kalam. And it's also my voice. This is my kalam. And it's my voice. Now, if I say to somebody, if I ask someone to repeat this, uh, you know, somebody repeat after me, Cash from Family and Friends. Someone want to repeat that? Okay, cash from family and friends, someone, whatever. Right, okay. Whose voice was that? Whose voice was it? It was his voice, okay. Right. Whose kalam was that? It was my kalam. Right, it's my, it's my kalam because I originated this speech. No one spoke, let's imagine that no one spoke this, let's say this phrase was, un, was unheard of before. No one spoke this speech before me. Right, this is, this is my kalam, Right. But when he says it, it's his voice, but who does the kalam belong to? It's, it's my kalam, that's right, yeah. But this kalam, my kalam, is created. Why? Because I'm created. I'm created, right? right? I, I came to be after not being. Right? So everything that comes from me is created. Because, my, because in my essence, I am created. 
My kalam is created. Every one of my actions are created. Everything that emanates from me is created. And the same goes for everyone else and everything everything else in the creation. Right. So, but, we can, but the important point here is that we can distinguish between the kalam belonging to me and the voice belonging to somebody else. Right? The voice is his, but the kalam actually belongs to me. In this case, the kalam is created because I, in my essence, am created. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is eternal without beginning. He is not created. His essence is not created, and nor are any of His attributes uncreated. His attributes are eternal. He never acquired His attributes after not having attributes. Right? His attributes are eternal. He's always been one who has life and hearing and seeing. Always one who has knowledge and who can speak as and when he wills. So because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is eternal, his essence is eternal, his attributes are eternal, his speech, as in the genus, meaning that he the ability the, the, the fact that he speaks, the fact that he speaks, that this is also eternal, then nothing from his from him is created. So when Allah speaks, so for example, when Allah is the one who spoke, Alif Lamin. Is that speech created? Is that speech created? No. Why? Because the one who made that speech, he is not created. His attributes are not created. Right? But when I now say Alif Lamin, whose voice is that? That's my voice. Is my voice created? Yes, because I'm created. But that, but that, but those words, remember, distinguish between words and, and voice. Those words which I'm speaking, are they created? Are they created? No, they're not created. Because those words were stated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? But they happen to be in my voice. My voice is created. So when you're hearing Alif Lam Meem, you're hearing two things. You're hearing my voice, but you're hearing words. Words which were, which were expressed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the words belong to Allah, they are uncreated. Right? They are uncreated. But as for the voice, my voice, it is created. But when Allah spoke alif lam meem, then Allah is not created. His voice is not created. His attributes are not created. His essence is not created. So those are the uncreated words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in other words, we distinguish between the, the, the voice, the actual voice. All of us sitting in this room, can all, we can all say Alif, Lam, Meem. And we have maybe 60, 70 different voices, 50 different voices. right? And all of these voices will vary and be different. They're all created. But the thing that we are all saying and reciting and reading, it's all the same thing. It's the same speech, it's the same words. And those words are the uncreated uh, speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So... This is so now we move to the fourth point, and the fourth point is that we say about the kalam of Allah that it is we say about the Quran, the Quran is the kalam of Allah, the speech of Allah, Al Munazzal, that it is revealed, Ghayru Makhluqin. Ghayru Makhluqin. This word we add this word when we characterize our belief. When we explain our belief then we say it is uncreated. غير مخلوقين. Okay, <clears throat> now we have an issue here. Now we have an issue here. Which is that how come we say غير مخلوقين, that the Quran is uncreated, 
But the Sahaba never said uncreated. We don't see in the Quran any verse which says that the Quran is the kalam of Allah ghayru makhluqin. Why is it that we have this why is it that we have this extra explanation or this phrase? And the answer to that is that this is simply an explanatory phrase that explains the truth that is already present. We have not brought anything new. We've not brought any new belief or idea. Rather, we are clarifying a misconception that has arisen because of a people who are bringing doubts. Right? They've now mixed truth and falsehood. And so in the minds of the people, we remove that confusion by saying that the, that the, that the, that the, that the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah, غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ So that confusion is removed. To give you an example of, how, of what this is, when the Jahmiyyah came in the second century, and they began to deny that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above His throne, above His creation, and they began to say Allah is in every place. Allah is on this earth. Allah is in every place. The Salaf, they began to say, from the Salaf were those who began to write and they began to say that we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He is above His throne, above His heavens. And then they would say, Ba'inun min khalqihi. Ba'inun min khalqihi. That Allah is distinct and separate from His creation. Right. Was there a need to say this? In the time of the Messenger of Allah? Was there a need to say this phrase? Question. Was there a need to say this phrase? There was no need. Was there a need to say this phrase in the time of the Sahaba in general? Was there a need? No. Because no one came along with any falsehood. Was there a need to say this when a people come along and they say Allah is in every place? Is there a need to say this? And the answer is yes. In other words, these words and terms have not been innovated to bring a new innovated meaning. No. Rather these words and phrases are being used so as to clarify an existing truth in which confusion has been entered by the people of deviation. So in order that the people do not misunderstand the truth, we say that we say Allah is above His throne, separate from His creation, distinct from His creation. So there is no confusion as to the actual belief which is apparent anyway in the, in, in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So likewise, we, the, 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 the Salaf, they said, when this confusion began to be spread by the Jahmiyyah and the Mu'tazila and other than them in the second century, and they began to say the Qur'an is the speech of Allah. Right, so because this is a deception now, you see. They used to say, the Qur'an, we believe the Qur'an is the speech of Allah. But do you know what they mean by the speech of Allah? They actually meant, they said, that the speech, we believe that Allah has kalam. We believe that Allah has kalam. We believe the Quran is the kalam of Allah. But what do they mean? They mean that just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates things, Allah creates the messengers, and then we say the messenger of Allah, Rasulullah. And likewise, we have the masajid, the mosques of Allah. They are created things, right? And yet we say Baytullah or Buyutullah, that these are the these are the houses of Allah. Likewise, we see in the Quran we see Naqatullah, the she camel of Allah. And likewise we see Malullah, the wealth of Allah. 
In all of these examples, we see that created things are being ascribed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they say that when we say the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah, <coughs> when they say that the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah, they mean it in the same way. Meaning, a created thing which belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not that the kalam is an attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you understand? So the point that we're making is that these people who appeared, the Jahmiya and the Mu'tazila especially, they were saying, we believe the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah. And stop at this. Right? So if you're listening, you would think, mashallah, these people believe the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah. But you don't know what they really mean. What they really mean to say is that we believe this Qur'an is the kalam of Allah in the same way that we say, Rasulullah, Naqatullah, Malullah, Baytullah. Right? In the same way that we ascribe created entities as being belonging to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Qur'an is just one of those things that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not that it is an attribute of Allah in the sense that Allah spoke it with His speech. You understand? So now, these are people who are going around in the second century and saying, Al-Qur'an kalamullah. And what they really mean is that the Qur'an is created. Just like a mosque is created, a she-camel is created, a messenger is created, you know, uh, and wealth is created, and so on and so forth. So what did the Salaf say? See, the Salaf, when they make these statements, when they began to write these books, and they began to bring these statements, these are not innovated statements, rather they are statements which clarify the already existing truth. So they said, Al-Qur'anu kalamullah al-munazzal ghayru makhluqin. غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ It is uncreated. Right? This then became the belief that every single Muslim had to express. Right? Because this now is a clarification of the already existing truth. Right? And that's why the scholars they all began to write and say, from the beginning of the second century, all the scholars, Imam al-Zuhri, uh, you know, uh, Abu Hanifa, uh, Al-Awza'i, Al-Thawri, Imam Malik, and all of the Imams in that time, they began to express, Al-Qur'an, Kalamullah, Ghayru Makhluqin, uncreated. This became the belief of the Muslims. It's not an innovative belief, it is the belief that's always been there. But the truth has been clarified with clear explicit statements, so there is no confusion. Now, at this point, if anyone came along and tried to be clever now, and said, we believe the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah, and stop there. And you stop there. Right? Now we know that you got something to hide. Now we know that you, are, you got something to hide. Because it's not from the way of the people of the sunnah, who follow the, 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 the sahaba and other than them. It's not from their way to speak in ambiguities and generalizations. Because Al-Qur'an, kalamullah, the Mu'tazili, he says this as well. And the people of the Sunnah say this as well. Right? So now there's resemblance. Right? So we clarify, we make tafsil. This is the belief of Ahlusan. This is the way of the Salaf. The way of the Salaf is Mufassal. It is detail. It is tafsil, clarifying. There is no generalization in the belief of Ahlusanati wal Jama'ah. Everything that a person of the Sunnah, everything that a person who is following the way of the Salaf that he does is Mufassal, tafsil in everything. So there is absolutely no 
confusion whatsoever. So the Salaf began to say, Al-Quran, Kalamullah, غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ And anyone who withheld from this, then we got reason to doubt you and to raise questions about you because, you know, there, there, are, there are shubuhat, there are doubts. So this is what the Jahmiyyah, what they were doing. They were doing, uh, this is what they were saying, the Jahmiyyah, the Mu'tazila, the Rafida, the Khawarij, and other than them, they were saying, Al-Quran, Kalamullah, thinking they can deceive the, the, the Muslims. So, uh, we believe then that the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is the actual speech of Allah. And also the Salaf, they added another phrase that we should mention here. They also began to say, Kalamullah, Al-Munazzal, Ghayru Makhluqin, Minhu Bada'a, Minhu Bada'a, Wa ilayhi ya'ud. Minhu bada'a wa ilayhi ya'ud. So this is another statement that the Salaf began to say and write. In fact, this is itself is taken from the Sahaba. This very phrase here, Minhu bada'a wa ilayhi ya'ud. And in fact, one of the scholars, Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi, rahimahullah, he is a 7th century scholar who was, used to live around Baytul Maqdis. <coughs> he has a book called... Uh, Ikhtisas, uh, Al-Ikhtisas, or Ikhtisas Al-Quran. And in this book, he's bringing proof that this phrase, Minhu Bada'a wa ilayhi ya'ud, that from him did it begin, the Quran from him did it begin, and to him shall it return. That this actually traces back through the Tabi'een all the way to the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum. In fact, there are narrations which, which, which establish this. So not only did the Salaf say, غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ They also said, مِنْهُ بَدَأَ وَإِلَيْهِ يَعُودٍ Why is this? To clarify a meaning which is already present in the Qur'an. Because when we say, مِنْهُ بَدَأَ From him it came. Who is this a refutation of? It's a refutation of those people who say, the Qur'an originated in the Lawhul Mahfuz. Or the Qur'an originated as an expression of Jibreel. Or the Qur'an originated as an expression of Muhammad It's a refutation of those people. Because these people were saying these things. They were given these explanations. So the Salaf began to say, مِنْهُ بَدَأَ وَإِلَيْهِ يَعُودِ In other words, the Qur'an is the actual speech of Allah. Allah spoke it in letter and voice. Jibreel, he heard it. Okay. And uh, it, is, it is wording and meaning. It originated with Allah as speech. Right, so all of these things together, you see that when the Salaf began to outline these things, they began to write these things, these are all words and phrases used to clarify the already existing truth that is in, <coughs> that is in the Sharia texts. <coughs> so, this is the uh, fourth point. This is the fourth point. That this is the Kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ So we specify this phrase غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ And we also add مِنْهُ بَدَأَ وَإِلَيْهِ يَعُودٍ That's what some of the other salaf they used to add as well. So this moves us to the fifth point. We believe, the fifth point is that we believe that the Qur'an which is being recited by the tongues, that when you hear the Qur'an being recited by, by the tongue, what you are hearing 
is meaning the words that you are hearing is the actual speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now just to make it clear, there are two things when you are hearing. When the imam is reciting in the prayer, you, you, there are two things coming to you. There is his voice. You are hearing his voice. You are hearing his voice. But his voice is a medium by which words are being conveyed to you. Isn't that right? Because the example I gave to you before, when I said to you, if I say cash from family and friends, and I ask 10 of you to, re- re- to repeat that, right? In each case, it is your voice that is conveying my speech, right? In each case, the voice is different. It's your voice which is conveying my speech, my words which originated with me. So when we say that we believe that the Qur'an, whenever you hear the Qur'an being recited, right, that thing which is being conveyed to you by the voice, that is the speech of Allah, that is the uncreated speech of Allah. It is the uncreated words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So be clear. We are not saying the voice is uncreated. No. Because the voice is a medium through which words are being conveyed to you. Isn't that correct? If I sat here and I spoke to you in Russian, then I spoke to you in German, if I could, and then in Arabic, and then in English, and whatever else, each time you're hearing the same voice. Isn't that correct? You're hearing the same voice each time. But yet, there are different words being and meanings being conveyed to you. Isn't that correct? The voice is the same. But the words and meanings coming to you are all different in every single instance. So the point that I'm making from you to you here is that when we say here, when the, when the salaf say that whenever you hear the Qur'an being recited, then that is the uncreated speech of Allah. What do they mean by this? They do not mean the voice, right? The voice is simply a medium to convey words and meanings, right? So those words and meanings that are coming to you by way of a voice, that is the uncreated speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that kalam originated with Allah. Allah spoke that kalam. Allah is uncreated. His attributes are uncreated. Everything which emanates from Allah of speech and wish and will and actions, all of that is uncreated. Right? So we believe that the, 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 the recitation of the Quran, when we hear it, and the words which are conveyed by the recitation, it is the uncreated speech of Allah. And that's why when we go back to that ayah in Surah At-Tawbah, Surah 9, verse number 6, where Allah says, وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ If one of the mushrikeen asks protection from you, then give him protection, so that he hears the speech of Allah. Look how Allah said, so that he hears the kalam of Allah. So who is he? Who's he hearing? He's hearing the messenger of Allah. He's hearing the voice of the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi He's hearing the sawt of the messenger of Allah Sallallahu But whose words is he hearing? The words, they are the words of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala because they originated with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So this is the fifth point that we believe. <coughs> and the sixth point that we believe, likewise, that the Qur'an which is memorized in the hearts, it is the kalam of Allah. It is the kalam of Allah. The, 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 the words which are memorized in the Quran, in, 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 in the chests, in the hearts, then that too is the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
And again, we mean the words. The words of Allah which are memorized. Okay, as for the heart, the heart is something created and the mechanism by which knowledge is stored within an individual, in his mind, in his heart, in his brain, however, whatever that is, we, however that is, right, all of that is created. All of that is created. But the actual kalam, the meaning and the wording that is memorized in the hearts, then it is the uncreated speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like the example of the voice. Our voices are created, but our voices convey words. And when we recite the Qur'an, we are conveying words which originated with Allah, which are uncreated. The seventh, that's the sixth thing. The seventh thing that we believe is likewise that the Qur'an, which is written in the Masahif, which is written in the Mus'haf, that that too is the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is point number seven. In other words, no matter how the Qur'an exists, if it is something recited, if it is something heard, if it is something memorized, if it is something written, in every single instance, the actual words which are being conveyed by way of that medium, whether it is speech, whether it is writing, whether it is memorization in the heart, whether it is something being heard, in every instance, the words being conveyed through that medium, it is the uncreated speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then point number eight the shaykh mentions, which follows on from the previous point, is that we say that when we speak of a mushaf, in the mushaf, there, are, there, are, there, there is, there is uh, ink, the mushaf is written with, with ink, and likewise there is paper. No doubt we believe that these are created things. The paper is created, the ink is created. <coughs> As Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, وَمِدَادُهُ وَالرَّقُّ مَخْلُوقًا That the ink and the paper, that they are both created. Of course, they are, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are uncreated. But as for what we mentioned before, the speech of Allah, the actual words of Allah, and all of the descriptions that are given to the speech of Allah, that it is Kareem, that it is Majid, that it is Haqq, that it is so and so forth, and all the other descriptions that Allah gives of the Qur'an, then they are descriptions of something which is uncreated. Right? So in the Qur'an, when you see Allah describes His speech as Al-Haqq, and Al-Majid, and Al-Kareem, and all these other attributes that it guides to the truth and whatever else, then these are all descriptions of something which is uncreated. Right? Even though what we have, the mushaf, the paper, the ink, no doubt we believe this is created, no doubt. But we are speaking about what is conveyed by way of this medium. And this is because the Qur'an, when we're speaking of the Qur'an, it is something that is recited, it is something that is memorized, it is something that is written, then it is the, it is the uh, all of it is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why are we saying this? Okay, now why have we said that if it is recited, it is the, the speech of Allah. If it is written, it is the speech of Allah. If it is uh, memorized, it is the speech of Allah. Why are we saying all of this? We are saying all of this because we are refuting the claim of the one who is saying that this Qur'an that we have, the letters and the words, this is just simply an expression of the meaning which is with Allah. 
Right? In other words, they're trying to say that this what we have is not the actual real Quran. Right? This is what they're saying. They're saying this thing that we have with us is something created. The actual Quran, the real true Quran, which is eternal, uncreated, which which is not cre- which is not created, then that is something that is present with Allah only as a meaning. Right? Now think about it. What now does this mean? This means that what we hold, what we hold in our hands, the Mus'haf, and when we start reading and reciting, all of that, none of that is the Quran. None of that is the actual Quran. Okay. So well, once we once we spread this belief amongst the Muslimin, that this is, in fact, there are two Qurans. There's this Quran that we have here, it's just an expression of the meaning which is with Allah. But the real Quran is actually with Allah, with His self. Now, when this belief is spread amongst the, the Muslimin, and this actually happened in history, in history this happened, then the position of the Qur'an in the hearts of the Muslims, it now diminishes and it decreases. And you start, you start seeing people thinking, or you start seeing people saying, this is just, this is just ink and paper, that's all it is. So there's no respect, there's no veneration. And this, you know, uh, respect and veneration for the, spe- for the actual speech of Allah. When a Muslim reads the Quran and he says, this is the actual speech of Allah that Allah spoke, and I am speaking that speech. Compare this individual and what he feels in his heart, compared to another one who says, this is just paper and ink, it's a created expression of the kalam which is with Allah. Now you, just, you, know, you, know, you know, you make the distinction between what effect does this have upon the iman of a Muslim. And in fact, this actually happened in history. This happened in history. That's why the same scholar I mentioned to you earlier on, Ibn Qudam al-Maqdisi rahimahullah, he's written uh, a book called Al-Munadhara uh, fil-Quran, uh, Al-Hikaya, the quotation of an argument regarding the Quran. He outlined a detailed argument he had with some Ash'aris. These Ash'aris were present in the 7th century in Baytul, around Baytul Maqdis. And he began to debate with these people. And it became clear from these people that they, was, that they were saying, we believe in two Qur'ans. There are two Qur'ans. But they weren't saying it openly. They weren't saying it openly. They were, con- they were confiding in secret. Look, I'll tell you in secret what our real belief is. But please go on, don't, don't tell the common people. We believe there are two Qur'ans. One which is what we have here, it's created. One which is with Allah, which is uncreated. Right? But they are too scared to start promoting this belief to the common Muslims, because the common Muslims, they will know that this is the greatest of falsehood. You go and tell. That's why Ibn Qudama, he describes these people as cowards. These people are cowards. The Ash'aris are cowards. And the Maturidis are cowards. Because they will never ever go to the common people and say, we believe in two Qur'ans. This thing that you are reading is not the actual speech of Allah. This is, this is something created. This is not the Qur'an. Rather the real Qur'an is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a meaning. They will never ever say this. Why? Because the common people, they're not upon this batil. They have, they have a fitra, they have, you know, sometimes they are, they are more guided than the sophisticated, intelligent, smart person who thinks with his ilmul kalam or whatever else, philosophy that he is somehow, you know, better guided, or has better guidance than what the messenger came with. Sometimes the arm of the common people, when they are left upon their fitra, they sometimes retain the, the, the truth. They have the truth with them. 
And when you tell them this kalam, they, they will simply not accept it. And that's why these people, they are cowardly people, they cannot come out and openly express their real and true doctrine in front of the average average person. And they will use ambiguous words in speech and try to deceive you and confuse you and say, yes, we believe the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah and the kalam of Allah is eternal, but, but they mean something else. So, <clears throat> the re- so the reason why we are saying that when you hear the Qur'an, it is the speech of Allah. When you read the Qur'an, it is the speech of Allah. When the Qur'an is memorized in the hearts, that is the speech of Allah. Because that is how we know the speech of Allah through all these mediums, through all these means. These mediums are created, but what is being conveyed through those mediums is uncreated. right? And that's what we are trying to do. We are refuting these people who are saying that what we have with us is not the Qur'an. Right? What we have with us is paper and ink. That's what they're trying to say. Well, we know we have paper and ink. But what is being conveyed through the paper and ink? It is words and meanings. Right? And the same with, speak, with, with voice. And the same with what is memorized in the heart. What is the heart memorizing? It's memorizing words and meanings. Those words and meanings, it, that is the kalam of Allah, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So after this, the shaykh uh, mentions, uh, as we've said before, that there are those people who believe that the kalam of Allah is just a meaning that is present with Allah. And as for what we have with us, or as for, you know, they have different ways of explaining the kalam of Allah. The kalam of Allah is just a meaning that exists with Allah. Or some of them say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He wasn't always one who spoke, then He became one who spoke. Meaning that He acquired the attribute of speech. He didn't always have it eternally. And this group here is a group known as the Karramiya. They're known as the Karramiya. And others used to say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created the Qur'an in the air. Whatever that's supposed to mean. Some from the people of Bidah, they said that Allah created the Qur'an in the air as a voice. And from that took the messenger of Allah or Jibreel alayhi salam. Right? And then some of them say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created the Qur'an in the lawhul mahfuz. Or others say, so there are all these different ways of explaining away the speech of Allah and denying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He actually speaks. So all of this is falsehood, all of this is incorrect. And the Shaykh mentions a point here, which is that when we speak of the isnad of the Qur'an, what is the isnad of the Qur'an? What is the chain of narration? It came from whom? It originated from whom? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then to whom? Jibreel. Then to whom? To Muhammad. Right? And this actually is established in the Qur'an. Maybe we'll look at the ayah in the next, in the next lesson. Um, but... The Shaykh points out that there's a mistake that's crept into the sayings of the people. And this is that some people say that the Qur'an, that it is, uh, that it is uh, from Allah, then to the Lawhul Mahfuz, then to Jibreel, then to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they put the Lawhul Mahfuz between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Jibreel alayhi salam. And uh, the shaykh says that this is a, a mistake and uh, an, an error and a mistake and it's actually falsehood. Rather the correct isnad, the correct 
chain of narration is that it came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jibreel, he heard it directly. And then Jibreel conveyed it to the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so we say from the Messenger of Allah, from Jibreel al-Islam, from Allah the Mighty and Majestic. This is what we believe about the Isnad of the uh, Qur'an. And the Shaykh says that anyone who believes other than this, because remember what they're trying to say is they're trying to deny the fact that Jibreel heard it from Allah directly. This is what their intent is. So therefore they say the Isnad of the Qur'an is from Muhammad Wasallam, from Jibreel, from the Lawhul Mahfuz, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the link is being broken between Allah and Jibreel, the link of Allah speaking with a voice and Jibreel hearing the voice. They want to break that link. So they say that the isnad of the Qur'an is from the Messenger of Allah, who took it from Jibreel salam, who then took it from the Qur'an, uh, from the Lawhul Mahfuz, from the Lawhul Mahfuz. And then it came from Allah into the Lawhul Mahfuz. And what they mean here is Allah created that Qur'an and the words of the Qur'an in the Lawhul Mahfuz. Then Jibreel took it from the Lawhul Mahfuz. Then he brought it to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? So now, that, that, that link of Allah speaking and Jibreel hearing has been broken by way of this isnad. And that's why these people of deviation from the Ash'aris and Maturidis, they push this isnad and they say, this is the isnad of the Qur'an. The isnad of the Qur'an is from the Messenger of Allah, from Jibreel, from the Lawhul Mahfuz, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the intent is what? To deny, it all revolves back and goes back to the same thing, that Allah does not speak with kalam, which is heard, which is letter and voice. And this is what they're trying to deny. So these are all ways and meanings. Play with the definition of kalam. Right? Play with the isnad of the Qur'an. Right? All these are ways and means to try and support their belief of denying that either Allah has attributes, in the case of the Jahmi al-Mu'tazila, or deny that Allah has a choice and a will, that He speaks when He wills, when He wishes. Right? This is what they want to deny, that Allah has ikhtiyar, that He has a choice and a will, that He speaks with and what He wills whenever He wishes. So after this, the Shaykh says regarding the next line, وَأَقُولُ قَالَ اللَّهُ جَلَّ جَلَالُهُ وَالْمُصْطَفَى الْحَادِي وَلَا أَتَأَوَّلُ and I say, so basically a person says, I say regarding the Qur'an, in other words, my belief regarding the Qur'an, is what the verses of the Qur'an themselves have come with. Right? This is what I believe regarding the Qur'an. For it is the noble revelation. And likewise, I say, Allah the Mighty Majestic said, and the, and, and the Chosen One, the Messenger, the Chosen One, the Guide, he, what He said, and I do not make any ta'wil. What does this mean? Then the shaykh says that in other words, that when I speak about the Qur'an, I say Allah said, the Messenger said in the Sunnah, I say the Messenger of Allah said in the Sunnah, this is what I say, this is what I do. When I explain my belief in the Qur'an, that's all I do. Allah said, the Messenger said. Then I don't start making ta'wil, I don't start bringing explanations and interpretations like what those deviant people do. Right? I keep away from this path. I only stick to the kalam of Allah and the kalam of the Messenger, and this is how I explain uh, my belief. I believe, therefore, that it is the speech of Allah revealed, uncreated. 
that Jibreel, Ruhul Amin, he's the one who came down with it upon the heart of Muhammad And it is in a clear, conspicuous Arabic tongue. In both its wording and its meaning. Right? So in other words, a person is saying that I only stick to what Allah and His Messenger explained. I don't make any ta'wil, any interpretation of the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Shaykh finishes just by mentioning that the way of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah in general, regarding the attributes of Allah in general, is that we believe what Allah revealed, we take it upon its meaning known and understood by the Arabs, without making any ta'wil, we don't liken or resemble that to what is in the creation, we don't deny and start asking how, making taqif and so on and so forth. So the Shaykh is saying that we avoid all of these things, ta'wil, ta'til, taqif, tamthil, when it comes to belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is not from our way. Rather it's from the way of the people of innovation. It's from their signs. That they make they resemble Allah with his creation. Or that they uh, start denying things for Allah. Or they start asking how, how is this, how is that. All these things are not from the ways of, of, of the people of Sunnah. Rather from the signs of the people of innovation. People of Kalam. Those who put logic... And rational, logic, mantik, and kalam, you know, speech, rhetoric, theology, uh, which is based upon, you know, the, the principles of logic and things, they put that ahead of the Quran and the Sunnah, and therefore they went astray and they became misguided. And that's why all of them, you see, that they have different views from each other. So the Ash'ari will say one thing, he will refute the Mu'tazili, then the Mu'tazili will refute the Jahmi, then the Jahmi will refute the Mu'tazili. All of them, their foundation is the same, ilmul kalam, ilmul kalam, but the conclusions they're all coming to are all different, right? And so they're all refuting each other. This is a proof to show that they are not upon the truth, because if this ilmul kalam that you've made to be the foundation of your religion was the truth, then you wouldn't be in all these different groups and sects. The Jahmiya denying all of Allah's names and attributes, the Mu'tazila denying Allah's attributes, the Ash'aris affirming Allah's uh, some of Allah's attributes. The, and, and all these other people arguing with each other about the Quran, about the attributes, about seeing Allah, whatever, all these variant opinions. This is a proof that they are upon falsehood. As for what the people of the Sunnah are upon, Allah says in the Quran, وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ إِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ كَثِيرًا That if it had been from other than Allah, then they would have found many discrepancies therein. That's why you can find an alim from the Sunnah in the 21st century now. Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan, for example, or any of the ulama, and you say to him, explain to us the belief of the Sahaba regarding the Qur'an. He will say to you a speech, a speech, he will explain it to you in such a way, and with speech, that if you took anyone from any century, going all the way back to the Sahaba, anhum, you'll find that you will, you will be using that exact same speech. Al-Qur'an, Kalamullah, Al-Munazzal, غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ مِنْهُ بَدَأَ وَإِلِيهِ يَعُودِ خلص, finish. All of this is from the Qur'an. But you ask any of the Ahlul Bida'i Waddalal, ask any of the people of innovation, whose foundation is not the Qur'an and the Sunnah, and the Fahm of the Salaf. Right? The, fa- the foundation is the, the Ilmul Kalam. So one here over here will say, the, the, the Allah does not speak. Another one here will say, the Mu'tazili will say, Allah speaks. But his speech is only the speech he creates in others. Right? So Allah, so 
So Allah's speech is really the speech that I'm speaking now when everybody else in the creation is speaking. Not that Allah speaks. Then you ask another one amongst them, an Ashari, and he will say to you, yes, Allah has kalam, but it's just the meaning in the self. And you ask another one, and he will say to you, well, Allah's kalam, he didn't always have kalam. He acquired an attribute after not having the attribute, right? All these people, a Jahmi, a Mu'tazili, an Ashari, a Karrami, all these people are operating upon the same foundation, which is ilmul kalam. Yet all of them have varying opinions and varying sayings. This is a proof that you are upon batil, you're upon falsehood. You cannot be upon the truth, just from this angle alone. Whereas you ask a person of the sunnah, who's upon the Qur'an, the sunnah upon the fahm of the salaf, he will only say one thing, and it will be in perfect agreement, no matter which century you come from, no matter which book you pick up of, the, of, of any of the people of the sunnah, it will always be exactly the same thing. And that's why... To finish off, one of the great scholars of the 6th century, I believe, Abu al-Mudhaffar al-Sama'ani, he has an amazing statement, and he says that if you were to take all of the books in, in meaning, he says that if you were to take the uh, speech or the saying of all of the people of the Sunnah from every age and every generation, and you to put it all together, you will see you'll, it will be as if all of them are speaking from the heart of a single man, or from the tongue of a single man. You won't see any variation in what they say. When they speak about Iman, they will say to you, Al-Imanu qawlun wa amalun yazidu wa When you ask them about uh, Allah's attributes, they will say to you, we believe in whatever has come in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, without taqif, tamthil, tashbih, tamthil. You ask them about the Qur'an, they will say to you, we believe in the Qur'an, it's the speech of Allah uncreated. Uh, it originated with Him, and to Him shall it return. Everything is exactly the same no matter which book you pick up. Right? In the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, all the way to our, to our century. This is the way of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And this is a proof that they are upon the clear manifest truth in this issue. So with that we conclude our discussion today from the speech of Sheikh Saleh al-Suhaymi of the Lord Ta'ala. And we'll continue with this topic inshallah Ta'ala from some of the other materials. In the next lesson in two weeks' time, inshallah ta'ala. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.